You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. The NBA informed teams that the salary cap for the 2019-2020 season will be set at $109 million. That's according to The Athletics now, Sham Sharania. The luxury tax for that season will reportedly be set at $132 million. Additionally, the salary cap for the 2020-21 season will reportedly be set at $118 million. It just keeps climbing up. And the luxury tax will be set at $143 million. Per Sharania, the projections for the 2019-2020 season, they're unchanged based on a memo sent to the teams in June. However, the 2020-21 season's cap is set for a $2 million increase due to the basketball-related income projections and the projected shortfall-based adjustments. So the NBA has announced that it is going to go up about $7 million from where it is this season. It'll jump up again $7 million to next season and then all the way up to 118, which is another significant amount of money that it raises. Guys, we've gone through this before. And the general managers of each NBA franchise just went stupid throwing money to every single body that had any kind of basketball talent on this earth. And we saw one of the worst offenders just so happened to be the general manager here in Charlotte. Yeah, Rich Cho. And Mitch Kupchak. Well, not even Rich Cho. Rich Cho was certainly uh, one of the worst offenders. But Mitch Kupchak is responsible for a couple of the worst contracts out there in the league. Now, Lou Dangs has been bought out, so I yes. guess his is done now. But Lou Dangs' contract. Mozgov. Tim- Timothy's Mozgov's contract. And Jordan Clarkson was a bad contract that Rob Palenka said, quote, he lost sleep over that contract at night. So, I mean, you have a couple of these that are at the fault of Mitch Kupchak. Granted, a lot of other general managers threw out some stupid money. We can go to a a handful of different contracts that you can point to as among the bottom five, bottom 10, bottom 15 out there. But Mitch Kupchak responsible for a couple, and now the money's going to be going up. How does this affect the Charlotte Hornets as soon as next season? I think it affects them short-term because while the the tax and the cap aren't really affected for next year, you're talking about the luxury taxes at what, 118 for the next season, I believe? Yeah, the luxury tax the next season at 2019-2020 will be actually 132. So yeah, that's a 14 mil jump in terms of tax, which is I think the difference between if you really look at it, a Kemba Walker extension and not doing anything because the biggest thing this team was afraid of was the luxury tax and being on that luxury tax being a luxury tax repeater. It also, I think, extends the chances of Kemba Walker coming back now. I don't think they're going to be afraid to pay him. Now, does it become cap prohibitive going forward? Let's say if Malik Monk develops, let's say Miles Bridges develops into somebody early, that's going to be a problem. But I think this spells really good news for Kemba Walker. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings the possibility that they could do it. Whereas had this number been significantly lower... It, it would have been extremely difficult to even think about extending Kimball Walker without some cap gymnastics. 
Yeah. Yeah, you think of Kemba Walker immediately when you see the NBA jump up their payroll or jump up their salary cap here. And we all know, again, we talked about Bobby Mark's article on the last show about how he had it divvied up and why the Charlotte Hornets were dead last in his future rankings, just the situation each franchise was in. He had their financial situation ranked as 20th and their player situation, just the talent of the players on the roster, as 29th. And I thought you could flip those and it would make a lot more sense in that regard. And I think here's a situation why. Here's an example why. I mean, you look at their payroll. We all know it, right? Mm -hmm. You have Nick Batum on an accelerator up until 2021. Eventually, he'll end at $27 million. Bismack is going to count for 17 the next couple of years. Marvin Williams is going to count for 14 and 15 the next two years. Cody Zeller on an accelerator, 13, 14 and a half, 15 and a half. MKG, 13. The next couple of seasons, and then that's when you get to Kemba's $12 million that will end this season. Jeremy Lamb's contract has come off the books as well, but you would think you only have enough money to try to keep Kemba Walker around if that is indeed the route you choose to do. Also, remember, isn't Frank on a team option, or do they de- do they decline the option on Frank Kaminsky? I think is a big thing. According to Basketball Reference, Frank Kaminsky is just on one more year left, so he's just got the three point six, no team option, no player after that. So it's just the solid contract in place of three point six million coming his way. A couple of people with some team options. Malik Monk has the two yeah. year team option. Uh, Miles Bridges, of course, Graham has the two year team them, right? options after that, and then Devonte Graham. It looks like again, according to basketball reference his contract is locked in at 2020 2021 um, up until then and an accelerator about 1.6 so that that's the payroll right just kind of going through all the numbers everybody has an idea of who's coming off the books there's not too many guys after this year you're gonna have Kemba Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky those are the decisions that you have to make if you don't bring back Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky you're saving more than 10 million dollars and you would have that on top of the extra 7 mil. So you're working with 17 million. If you don't choose to bring back those particular guys, you're working with 17 million to work with on top of whatever you decide to pay Kimba going forward. And that's the other thing. Like, I'm not saying they're going to go over the tax, but that tax number going up is such a big thing because you can play in between those numbers. You can add a salary, you can, it makes it much more viable. Now, granted, trading over the cap is dollar for dollar within like a $3 million range. I think this makes them more flexible. And now I see, like you said earlier, why Bobby Marks only had them at 20 in terms of money. Because in you can do a little bit more and not have to worry about the repeater tax, which is basically death unless you're the Warriors. And I'll just say this. It makes some of these young guys like Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, Hernan Gomez, Bacon, Graham – like those guys have to improve because those are your cheap contracts. Those are the contracts that you can that you can deal with and, and allow for a Kimball Walker to come back on your roster on a you know a, a near max level kind of deal and, and and survive because they've got to fill roster spots. So you really hope that those players improve this season. And they're the only players besides Kimball Walker that give you the value back on a contract right now. They're the only ones. You look at every single other player on this roster. You know Jeremy Lamb as well, but again, he's going to be gone. So Jeremy Lamb at seven point would, five. I wouldn't, with the way the salary is going, and with the way the ta- again the luxury tax. I think he can stay now. Kimba? No, I think Lamb stays. Oh, and possibly, you know, maybe Jeremy Lamb can stay, but with Kimba, I would imagine it's it's highly unlikely. Not yeah, you couldn't keep both of them into next season and. 
and be under the tax. Yeah, I, I would imagine I would imagine that would be really difficult to keep both of those guys. Um, and I, I guess I didn't figure out if it is possible at all, but I would imagine just doing the numbers in my head. You would have to go with Kimba getting him a huge contract. Yeah, doubling his salary. Yeah, I mean, you would have to give him a lot of money. So he's making 12 now with that much money coming in. I mean, hell, how does this affect? And just to check out New York's payroll, just to check out Brooklyn's payroll, you know, I I can't. I mean, how much is Brooklyn paying everybody? I mean, Alan Crabb is on a big contract over there, but that's yeah. about it. I can't think of many other ones as I look up the Nets payroll here. You know, how much would that be a factor in them offering Kimba Walker a bigger contract? How much would the Knicks be allowed to offer Kimba Walker a bigger contract? You know, there's some other interesting. There's things some to play other here. interesting things. I don't think Kemba's going to New York. I think that's the biggest red herring we have out there. If Kemba leaves. It's, well, I think got, it's a possibility. You I don't know, think there's I, any possibility. I don't think there's. I don't think. Why are you so possi- sure? I mean, there's a guy that does. I don't. I don't think I'm so sure about it. Like, if I understand that he does like the city of Charlotte, but New York, I think, could very much so make a play at Kimba. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources. I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. On wax. It, it, Walker probably gets the reference because it, it's a rap thing. It's very much uh, a. <laughs> on the record, it, 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 you Pablo wouldn't understand you the concert. Okay, yeah, it, you wouldn't understand. But it's one of those things. Like I can't say on the record why, but I, I'm feeling very confident. If he leaves, it's not to New York. Well, I don't have your sources, so I would say just be from what I know. Look, the Knicks have Tim Hardaway, and right now Joe Kim Noah. It looks like they're going to work out a buyout. Yeah, but right now they have Joe Kim Noah on a stupid contract. They have Tim Hardaway on a very large one as well, but they have the money to go after Kimba because they don't have to pay Porzingis yet. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll have to in 2019, 2020, but right now, you know, he doesn't have a contract in place, and you wonder how much he's going to get with that injury. You know, I, he'll get a lot of play. I just, I'm interested if that has a factor in all in it. I'm just saying with these other two teams, right? It's been New York, it's been Brooklyn as the most talked about teams to make a run at Kimba in free agency. How much can they try to throw a wrench in Charlotte's plans to keep Kimba Walker? I don't think they're going to offer him a max because I think if you if you believe the Kyrie Irving rumors, if you believe them, that he's like New York, the, the Knicks are number one. I do think that takes Kemba off the table because if that, if, if the rumors of Butler and Kyrie terming, turning, uh, teaming up for the Knicks are true, I think that's plan A, plan B, plan C for New York. And I don't trust their management to have a plan outside of those two guys, quite frankly. The one thing I will say about this salary cap rise as well is we saw the Hornets begging for any kind of room this season. And that's how they were able to get Tony Parker. It's how they were able to at least be a play in the Tyreek Evans sweepstakes. Eventually, Indiana just gave him too much money, I think, for Charlotte to really make a go at him. You know, I mean, they could have, but, you know, Indiana was just a lot more comfortable offering, I think it was the $8 million? Yeah, $8 million, yeah. So, you know, Tony Parker getting the five that he got as the backup point guard, you know, at least it created a little bit of wiggle room without them entering the luxury tax. And I don't know about you guys, but I have no problem, by the way, with the Hornets not wanting to enter the luxury tax with this roster, right? No, I don't blame you. Right, right. I would hope that nobody has a problem with that. I don't want to enter the luxury tax with this kind of roster. I know there's a lot of teams out there that have entered it, but I, I have no problem. I understand all the rumors that go out against yeah. Michael Jordan, all of the hate that he gets for not wanting to spend or not being able to get the big-time player, even though it's crazy to think it's just that easy to get somebody of a huge caliber player to come to Charlotte. But again, 
you know, it's, I, I'm with you. I, I don't want to enter the luxury tax with this kind of roster as well. And at least they had a little bit of wiggle room to work with here. They at least are given another gift once next season hits. Yeah, and Zeller's contract is locked in. MKG is on a player option. Marvin's on a player option for 2019-20. And then Bismack will be on a $17 million player option for 19-20. So they are boxed in, essentially, no, with those sure. four players. So if they underperform this season... I would have a difficult time rationalizing them bringing back Kimba, getting that close to the tax line, and having to take on all those players. No, you're right. I, there's, you're not getting out of this because there wasn't one player you mentioned with a player option that is going to get that money, let alone more, anywhere else on the free market. You know, Cody Zeller is the one to me that is the closest to matching his value. I like Cody Zeller when he's out on the court. I think he's a good basketball player. I think he does a bunch of different things defensively. I think he, I'd like him as a player. Mm -hmm. I think he's the closest to matching that around $14 million that he's making right now. It's been a problem with him staying on the court the last couple of years. And there's just no doubt about it. I have an issue saying that they're, I think they're all movable on one year deals. though. I, I absolutely, we've kind of proven that while you've, but what do you get in return, right? Because they, they were able to move Dwight, but... And they moved Mozgov. But they also got Bismack. I mean, so it's not like they really moved off of any kind of money in the first place. But you I just got a better player. Very, very uh, barely did you get a better player in Bismack. But, I mean, at least you did get a better player. But it's not like you made this fantastic move to get off a lot less money. Dwight Howard was the one, but it even looked like you could have had a cheaper move there anyway and buying them out possibly. And we're also assuming that buyouts are not going to be options yeah, and, with them. And maybe, but you know, buying buying these guys, I mean, it's a lot of buyouts. It's a lot of buyouts for the Charlotte Hornets team. Nothing beats the thrill of watching your favorite teams and your favorite artists perform live, and Vivid Seats is here to help you find your seat to a Panthers game, Hornets game, concert, or a show. Vivid Seats offers great prices and a purchasing experience that is super easy. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee a hundred percent so you can't beat that supporting vivid seats means you're supporting this show so what you need to do is you need to go to the app store google play and download the vivid seats app enter promo code locked on to receive twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more that's locked on all caps one word and you'll get twenty dollars off of your order if you spend two hundred dollars or more once again at vivid seats we'll take a quick break we'll come back with some rotations that the Charlotte Hornets experienced with or experimented with last season I'm Walker Mail alongside Nod Edwards and Doug Branson you're listening to the lockdown Hornets podcast you are listening to the lockdown Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. With all the stuff that Locked On is doing right now, there's no more thing, not one thing more that Doug needs to pay attention to more than these fantasy football podcasts. <laughs> Doug sent Nada and I just a brutal, gruesome looking picture message uh, on Monday. And it's not what you might think. Uh, it was not, a point was one loss <laughs> in fantasy football. Point one points. Doug was down. 
And then Chris Carson, I was looking at how much time was left in the game when he sent us that picture message on Monday Night Football. And there was still some time left, but I love, and plus just looking at this picture message and after the game, Pete Carroll comes out and says, you know what? We just decided that Chris Carson was a little gassed. What? <laughs> so he wasn't even injured. Wasn't even injured. Chris Carson entered in Doug Branson's lineup only a couple points away from getting a victory, and he falls short by point one. And now you're, what, 0-2 on the season? In the early start of 2018, Doug, how do you feel? He was gassed. He was gassed. Yeah, Wasn't even it. injured. Decided to give Rashad Penny a little bit more run. <sighs> okay. A little tired. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm done. I'm done with uh, with my fantasy football team. I was barely hanging on to begin with, and now I am just going to focus my energies on positive things, on things that I can control, because you can't control any of this stuff. If Pete Carroll is going to go away from his number one running back because his running back was gassed. He's just a little tired. Then I don't. I, it's impossible. Take a load off, Chris. I needed two point five. He gives me two point four. <laughs> That's so brutal. <laughs> that is the worst. I, there literally is nothing worse in a fantasy football week besides maybe a long term injury to your number one player. But losing by point one is just brutal. We don't have to do this to ourselves. But so yet wait, it's so on. fun. But it's so fun at the same time. Your season is over at zero and two. Well, listen, I will do the bare minimum. I will. I will oh, you're going to be that guy. Well, I well, I'm not that guy. I will be the guy who goes in and, and puts the bye week guys on the bench and subs out. And then that's but that's it. I'm not going you know, to pay attention to the waiver wire. Right. I mean, that's that that constitutes as a little bit of that guy. I mean, you're not yes. full blown that guy, but you're on your way. People in the league. What but, does it matter? Well, you could have stopped somebody else that's contending for it. And you're Owen two at the exactly. same time. Like you can come back from this. You can come back from listen this. To, I hope, listen to your pod, Dad. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully no more point one losses for Doug or really anybody out there. That's just cruel and unusual punishment. Fantasy football, it is underway. We have people struggling. We need some people to listen to this podcast right now. We do have two fantasy football shows to help you max your scores. Locked on fantasy football 24-7 gives you all the latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news. Locked on fantasy football is now locked on fan is now with locked on fantasy football experts with amazing guests every day. Mondays, Tom Kucinich. Tuesdays, Eric Edholm. And Wednesdays, you have Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lechner. So once again, if you're struggling already out of the gate, go listen to those podcasts. Try to get your season figured out. And don't become that guy like Doug Branson has become. Listen, they they are they know a lot about football. They know a lot about fantasy football. They are, well, we, we can call them experts. But nobody knows anything. When Pete Carroll can just say, well, I'm going to take my number one running back, the guy that got the majority of the carries last season, got the majority of carries in week one. I'm just going to sit him down. Then we're all at the whim of, of just <laughs> random of chaos. And, I, and we don't have to do this to ourselves. We need to get Nada Sources in on that. Can we get Nada Sources to help us? I mean, <laughs> we need to get him on fantasy football. Hey, talk to Pete Carroll for me, Nada. No. Let's see what these guys are gassed or not and see what his plan is to do with these running backs throughout the game. All right, Daryl Blackport of BBPStats.com. PBPStats. PBB. I, that's, that's a weird It's stat. a tough one. It is weird. Yeah. I, I just apparently read that wrong. PBB stats. PBP. Wow, that's PBP stats. <laughs> All that grape jelly. PBPstats.com. Daryl Blackport, much easier to say. He's put together a breakdown of how often teams had their starters on the floor and how well each team did with a certain number of those starters on the floor. You look at the Charlotte Hornets, and it's a little interesting compared to when they had 
all five of their starters out on the floor compared to when they had zero. You look at how many times that they didn't have any of their starters out on the floor. It's actually a decent amount more than a lot of the teams did in the NBA. You look at how much all of their starters were out on the floor. I would imagine, just looking at this graph, it's about the same, maybe a little bit more reliant than some of the teams when you get down the line. You know, it would go as, as you would expect, I would imagine, for the most part, with each of these teams. Mm-hmm. right? Like No surprise, San Antonio had their own different rotations that worked for them, so all of their five starters were not on the floor all that much more than any other. You can go to some of the bad teams in the NBA, You know, teams like Phoenix, now, it's not like their starters are much better than their bench players anyway. So they have a whole bunch of guys getting them out the same amount of time, right? Yeah. Same amount of time. You can go to a bunch of teams like that. Uh, again, Phoenix is one that pops up to me. Um, you know, Boston, a good team that yeah. has their certain set of rotation. I feel like, you know, it's pretty self explanatory. I'm not surprised with any of those teams. Atlanta, they had pretty much the same amount of starters on the floor yeah. throughout. Because, again, they're just not that good of a basketball team. It's like almost a reverse bell curve, right? I mean, you can go, you know, right. So you have the Charlotte Hornets, though. You know, again, they come in at all five of their starters showing up majority of the time. The second amount of starters that they had on the floor was zero. You know, that was the the (laughs) longest. That was the second longest. That was the second most possessions that the Charlotte Hornets had out there. Zero starters. Second would come in at just one starter. And then it would go in fourth, or four starters, three starters, two starters. Um, that would finish it out. So just looking at this graph for Charlotte compared to everybody else in the NBA, what are your guys' takeaways? That we have no bench, and the bench is the reason why this team has been at 36 wins, which is something that other numbers have corroborated, and especially when you talk about starter plus minus versus bench plus minus, which is a big thing. And it's kind of why they signed Tony Parker. Because they needed a backup point guard because as we've gone over almost ad nauseum, the backup point guard spot has been Silky Johnson's mink coat or the description of it, basically. The things that I take away, I take away a lot from I love this graphic, by the way. It's a great example of how you take data, visualize it, and and make some sense of things because it really reflects a lot of what we saw on television from from so many of these teams last season. Like, look at the Lakers the, the Cavs, the Knicks, with five starters on the floor, they were awful in terms of net rating. They were getting beaten off the floor, and those are all teams that struggled with talent or chemistry or sometimes both in their starting lineups. Charlotte did okay with their top five, but you can see it they, they, were, not the, they were not exactly on fire when they had all five starters out there, and I think there's some Dwight Howard factor in there. There's some Nick Batum injury factor in there. But they were obviously better when Kimball Walker was on the floor. You can see how bad they were with four starters on the floor. I'm going to go ahead and call that the Kimball Walker effect. And then as you said, Walker, they were really bad when they had zero starters on the floor. That has to do with depth. But look at how much they played those zero starter lineups versus the rest of the league. The only team that did that more was Toronto but Toronto was what plus they were plus nine in net rating. As <laughs> their net starters. rating is positive in every single amount of yeah. starters that they had. And the Hornets were minus six. And so I think we we can kind of, if we want to lay a criticism at Clifford's feet here, I think they were a little over reliant on that full bench lineup last season. No, I, I think they were too. And the one thing is you can look at one thing that the Charlotte Hornets were particularly strong in is their net rating when they had three starters out on the floor. You wonder if that was 
Dwight Howard being off of it, what kind of combination that just might be. And I'm sure we could find a way to do it. Just haven't done it here, but there's a way, you know, and one wonder what kind of lineup you would have out there with the three, right? Like maybe if it's a Kimba, if you have Cody Zeller, somebody out there, because they were very good when they just had the three starters out there on the floor for Charlotte. Yeah. I imagine it's that, that first substitution period, um, at the beginning of the game and then the beginning of the second half, uh, when they would work, uh, when they would work Kaminsky and Lamb into the lineup, those, when you added that that extra bit of offense from Lamb and Kaminsky, that probably upped their net rating. Uh, so that's probably where you see that. But and you look well, you just look again. I mean, you look at that stat compared to all the other franchises. I mean, that one is as high as it gets, considering that again, just the three starters on the floor for Charlotte, but everything else not exactly all that strong. But percentage wise, they didn't play it a ton. No, that's, they did not. The it was the second lowest. And you can see on the on this graph, and we'll put a link to this in the uh, in the show notes. But the best teams, guys, don't play their starters significantly more than the rest of of their lineups. You can see Houston, Golden State, Toronto. San Antonio, Philadelphia, Boston. I mean, look at how even Boston is. When you have talent, when you have a lot of talent to spread the wealth and you're deep, that's the key in the regular season. In the playoffs, everything changes. But in the regular season, if you can spread the wealth, you win. And that's the big thing. I guess the other thing is, and this goes back to that lack of player development, and this is why they focused on player development with this higher Borrego, you're going to have to develop that bench by hook or by crook, by the D, by the G League or some other manner. So because obviously this five starter high low, it's not sustainable. And eventually, like I said, it's going to have to look at Minnesota. Yeah, I saw that too. Saw that. Yeah, they're, the they're all way. five starters were what like almost. 40%, over 40%. Fast and the furious, baby. Pedal to the metal. Yeah, what are some other ones that stand out to us? I mean, Denver's kind of the same way. Denver has a similar graphic to what Minnesota has, where they had to rely on the, all five of their starters quite a bit. Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento being the same. Toronto is just good to look at. I mean, Toronto is exactly how you want it to be. Houston, the same way. You mentioned, how about Golden State? You know, Golden State spent almost a minuscule amount of time with zero of their starters out on the floor. They had at least one out there the entire they just time. Have four Hall of Famers. Yeah, they do. And so <laughs> you just you put them have, anywhere. You just have one out Stack there. Stack them up. I mean, that's a joke. That graph is a joke compared to everybody else's. So is Houston's for the most part. But, you know, again, some interesting stuff to look at there. Detroit, um, look at look at their five-starter lineup was was under under zero. That around, shocks me. Around negative amount. five net rating when they're all – and I, I to me, again, that's a mix of Detroit did not have the talent on that starting five – but they also didn't have the chemistry. You I would just like, didn't see them come together. I would like to see the numbers there. I would like to see the splits pre and post Blake Griffin trade. Absolutely, because that was a bad trade, and I'll, that was I. You knew Stan Van Gundy was going to get fired right away as soon as they made that trade for Blake Griffin. I didn't think they were a better team when they got rid of Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley, and they bring in Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. You talk about salary cap situations. I believe we brought them up. In the last They're show. worse. That that salary cap situation, having all that money tied up in Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin long term. And Detroit is one other interesting graph to look at here. You know, and, and again, just looking at what all of this means, you know, again, the Hornets were not a deep team last year. Not that's something you particularly brought up, especially at point guard. You know, they did not have any kind of difference maker off of the bench. You're hoping 
That can be Malik Monk this year or Jeremy Lamb if Malik Monk comes into the starting lineup. Clifford was over-reliant on the zero starter lineup. We just saw that. It was awful, and it was their second most utilized lineup that they would have out there, the one where they would put zero starters. Mediocre teams can rely on heavy starter play if the starters have good chemistry, and I think there are some teams to look at there and notice. And also, great teams can beat you to death in the regular season when all they have is just a couple or three starters out there on the floor. Yeah, that's what separates the good from the great in my mind. That's why Golden State can play almost 30% of their rotations with only two starters because they have Hall of Famers. Talent wins in the regular season. And we'll try to include those uh, graphs if you want to check us out again just when we post this episode up we'll try to include those graphs so you guys can take a look at it the locked on network is expanding with college shows coming this week locked on wolverines locked on buckeyes and locked on seminoles plus we're already locked on to the ducks nittany lions bears the crimson tide the wildcats razorbacks volunteers and the cougars find your favorite college show on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or spotify i'm walker mail not edwards doug branson we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with more here on the locked on hornets podcast This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says, On contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Doug may suck at fantasy football, but ha! you guys did win trivia last night, right? You guys did a good job with you and a couple homies you brought out there. That's right. We had Steve Bob, friend of the show. You heard him there on the rejoin. On the Matt Geiger open as well. Yeah, it was movie night. We scored one for Locked On Hornets. Hopefully you guys will join us and not abandon me like you did last night. Oh, and- whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on now. Whoa. Whoa. Tell me I'm wrong. I have to wake up. At 4.30 in the morning. And I felt that was pretty well established when you asked me that just a couple of days ago. And I felt that was established. I thought we had that line of communication and we were done with it. I had no intentions of attending that trivia night that you guys did win. And congratulations. But I had no intention. And we had talked about this. Now, don't wow me. You're the one that abandoned me in the first place. Wait, wait. How's this? No, you guys are not. Absolutely not. I'm not taking the blame for this. What's your excuse? My excuse was, well, there I forgot. Were your sources on that that's one? That's a good. That's a good excuse. I, I honestly <laughs> forgot, and then I get a text message before from Doug like ten minutes before, like, "Hey, you coming to trivia? You still at work?" And I'm like, "Oh, I completely <laughs> forgot about this." We got all but four right, so I don't know if there was much that you I really could have helped with. What, what, we were we were just on fire. It's one of those nights that just really came together. Everyone just had a different answer. Everyone was filling in the gaps. It was it was fun. Nineties night coming up next, right? Nineties night, yeah. Queen City Grounds. If you're in Uptown, it's on Tenth and Church. They're starting a little trivia night. Locked on Hornets. I want our team to win every night. And you get out at eight o'clock. So now that we have this new information, yeah, I, it's six thirty p.m. to eight p.m. Uh, at QC Grounds on Twitter. Check them out. Well, that's early enough for me to go try to spit some knowledge on everybody. That'd be nice. Nineties night. I, I need the sports trivia night. That's obviously where I'm going to be the most strong. The movie night. I would imagine. I would imagine you to just destroy movie night yeah. like you did yesterday. 
I did. I know a lot about movies. Uh, Steve Bob also came through with a couple of a uh, couple of great answers, and producer Katie was was there as well. Hey, how about that last segment? Don't ever say that this show doesn't do numbers. We did some numbers. Oh, we did do numbers. Math. Math is a wonderful thing. Take that for data. <laughs> Hornets chairman Michael Jordan, he's donating $2 million That's to a number. organizations. That is a number. It's a big number. And we thank Michael Jordan again. $2 million he's donating to organizations aiding in the relief and recovery efforts from Hurricane Florence. Jordan is contributing $1 million each to the American Red Cross and the Foundation for the Carolinas Hurricane Florence Response Fund. The American Red Cross is providing food and shelter to thousands of people who have been displaced by the hurricane, while the Foundation for the Carolinas Hurricane Florence Response Fund directs funds to nonprofits in North and South Carolina, providing relief to victims of the storm. So we you appreciate Michael Jordan doing that as Michael well. <laughs> we appreciate Michael Jordan doing that. And uh, again, if you were affected by Hurricane Florence at all, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And again, you can donate. I believe the Charlotte Hornets still have a link on their Twitter page that they put out just a couple of days ago. They also have a really nice shirt, too. They do have a shirt. I know it was just, what was it, the stale? Carolina, Carolina Strong. strong. Yes, Carolina Strong. Um, I know Ron Rivera was wearing a shirt as well in his press conference this week, just aiding those people that were affected by Hurricane Florence. So once again, our thoughts and prayers are with you from the Locked On Hornets podcast. We thank you for listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Five days a week next week. Five days a week next week. Media Man, day. we're back at it. Media day on Monday. Media yes. day is going to be Monday. We're going to get all the audio from all of the players. We'll see if they decide... If we'll see if they have them go up to the mic and we can get audio from pretty much every single player for the Charlotte Hornets. But again, Monday, Talk media day. Malik Monk dog. See if we can get a quote from, from Bear. And then we can. Oh, yeah, me and Bear are familiar. So, yeah, yeah. that's another one of your sources. You guys are on wax. And then, yeah, those guys are on wax. And then it's back at it. Full steam ahead. Five days a week. And I'll try to have a couple guests for you next week as well. I'm Walker Mail, not Edwards and Doug Branson here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast every day next week. We'll see you then.